Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. On holiday, there's nothing like doing nothing. As an Expedia member, you can save up to 30% when you add a hotel to your flight. So you can go out there with great ambition to do absolutely nothing for less. Expedia. Made to travel. Welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake, the show where we go deep, we get weird, and we search for the meaning of life along the way. Presented by Cast Media and Soul Pancake. Metaphysical Milkshake. Hello, it's me, Rain Wilson. I'm one of the hosts. I am the other host, Reza Aslan. Hi, Rain. Hi, Reza Aslan. How are you doing? I'm doing as well as one could be expected to be doing considering the world that we live in right now. The imminent collapse of <laughs> the human global order, you mean? Yep. Yep. Yeah. Every time you open the news, it's like some new way the world is going to die. Now it's some new strain of coronavirus, right? Today was a, an article in the New York Times that apparently a majority of Americans not so fond of democracy. Not uh, yep. thinking that, yep. you know, Democracy is pretty much dead in America. Totalitarianism. Totalitarianism is right around the corner. I also heard about uh, diseases that might come up from the rapidly thawing permafrost in Siberia. Oh, That would be interesting. Oh, good. I'm I'm looking forward uh, to to prehistoric versions of COVID. That's going to be fun. This gets depressing so quickly. Um, Let's lighten it up a little bit. (laughs) The end of the world. um, There's so many movies. There's Mad Max. There's Hunger Games. Mm -hmm. There's so many kind of apocalyptic, post-apocalyptic films. What do you what do you think? What would be the coolest way for the world to end? What would be the coolest way? way? What kind of what Um, movie would you want to watch? Like some kind of EMP disaster like an electromagnetic pulse like some kind yeah, of pulse yeah. maybe it's from outer space maybe it's a it's a local thing and like all electronics goes away like just suddenly everything all electronics done reza 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 yeah, yeah that means no more podcasts a and b you wouldn't be able to check your twitter feed oh my god that is the end of the world that uh yeah that but 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 what do you like? What do you like about that though? What what is what's exciting to you about that? Do you do you like the idea of being plunged into some kind of stone age with no power grid? Wouldn't they just get the power grid up and running and would just take a, a couple months? I don't know. I think I think that would the the disruption would be so extreme because we're all so so you know uh, connected connected yeah. and and we yeah. rely we're so reliant on on you know everything. But if like if it all went away, like if the cloud disappeared, everything was gone. Start oh, from scratch. My book is on the cloud. I can't have oh, the cloud shit. disappear. Yeah, you better print that shit up right away. Oh my god! And yeah, and we are we're a kind of so. I look. If I'm gonna pick, 
The end, that seems like, you know, better than most. I got a better one. Tell me. Body snatchers. <laughs> the Invasion of the Body Snatchers, the 1978 version oh, with so uh, Donald Sutherland is, so I watched it with my son recently. It still holds up. It's really, really that, scary. The end? What about the end? Oof. Oh my God. Oh, oh God. The plant pod, alien plant pod people replacing humans. And then everyone is just emotionless and united. Um, is it's chilling, but fighting the plant pod people, but you can't fall asleep. So you've got this this you yeah. know obstacle, this internal obstacle that you want to sleep. That's really exciting to me. Oh, I that would be uh, that would be not, fun. I'd love bad. to be part of the resistance movement. I don't think I don't think our guest uh, did an episode on pod people, but no. he did do an episode on pretty much every other way that the world can end. We're talking, of course, about Bill Nye, the science guy. You know him. You love him. Honestly, who doesn't like Bill Nye? I mean, what what asshole out there? Fox News doesn't like Bill Nye. Assholes. Exactly. Uh, he's got a new show. This is actually a really good idea for a show. I really hope it's successful, but the show is called The End Is Nigh, which premieres August 25th on Peacock. And uh, essentially the show is just like he he explores uh, in a very dramatic way with a lot of uh, special effects, uh, different ways in which the world can come to an end. It's a really, really fun show. Yeah, he's one of my personal heroes. We have Northwest roots. We're going to get into that. Bill Nye is a mechanical engineer. He worked at Boeing. He's a science communicator. He's a television presenter. Uh, he's best known as the host of the science television show, Bill Nye the Science Guy, which ran for six years. The Netflix show, Bill Nye Saves the World. And for his many, 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 many appearances in popular media as a science educator, he attended Cornell and studied at the Sibley School of Mechanical and Aerospace Engineering. And two fun facts, he holds three U.S. patents, one for ballet point shoes, one for an educational magnifying glass created by filling a clear plastic bag with water, and one for a device for training an athlete to throw a ball. That one, I need, I need proof for that. I need to I need to Google that. He holds a design patent for a digital abacus. And funnest of all fun facts, as of 2019, his bow tie collection numbered roughly 500. And one last fun fact. Uh, turns out he just got married this past May. So congratulations to Bill and Mrs. Science Guy. <laughs> Please welcome to the show, Bill Nye. Bill Nye, the science guy, welcome to Metaphysical Milkshake. It's so good to be here. Just to be clear, um, can we call you Bill or should we call you Mr. The Science Guy? I'd go with Bill. Bill, okay, all right. Just, now, I've okay. thought, I'll, be, I'll, I'll tell you, I have thought about changing my name to E-Bill because we get so many of those. <laughs> Uh, it would just be easier for people. <laughs> I thought I haven't done it, but we you know we all get bills in the mail. But I've thought about going with. E I like that. I like that e bill. So you know, we were talking about your new show a little bit at the opening. Um, uh, the end is nigh. Great name, by the way, and also just a kind of a great idea for a show. To be honest with you, like so, well, well, thank you. Uh, you know, Seth MacFarlane, who's one of the executive producers, points out that. 
conservative media scare people. They scare people. That's why you watch it. It's scary. <laughs> and when times are wonderful and happy, what was that guy's name? Walt Whitman. And all is right with the world. People watch romantic comedies and comedies and uh, have fun. When times are more uncertain, people watch disaster movies. Like <laughs> right. you, you'd think, you'd think, well, let me away, let me get away from this. But that's not human nature. You you di you dip deeper into it. And so, the end is nigh. Is six episodes, and each one of them is a disaster. That's right. Each one is a different disaster. So yeah. So you're trying to tap into the zeitgeist with this. <laughs> yeah. It's all about the zeitgeist. What's what is the most serious problem facing humankind? It's not a trick question. Climate change. Yeah, climate change. So the first episode is about catastrophes associated with climate change based mm -hmm. on real climate computer models. Science. Yeah. Science. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so we, but note well, yeah, note well, we never explicitly use the phrase climate change. You know, that's do, do, funny. Do, do, that's do, true. Do, 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 do. I did notice yeah. that it was always like extreme weather or like, that, yeah, that's how you refer to it as extreme weather. Why? Why, why is that? Well, you don't need it, uh, is uh -huh. the argument, is that when you have all this extra heat energy in the ocean, uh, and then the atmosphere is also warmer, uh, then you have the very likely, the strong likelihood of big storms. And, mm -hmm. you know, Katrina, the famous or infamous, rather, uh, hurricane, was a Category 5. Five. But Category 6 hurricanes happen, but so far, only on the open ocean. But what if one of those came ashore? What makes a Category 5 versus 6? What, what does well, that look like? Well, this is, you know, you guys... It's arbitrary, mm -hmm. but it's arbitrary based on science. You know, people have studied wind speeds. It's wind speed. But then this really cool scale was developed for hurricane measuring based on, <laughs> based on the destruction of structures, the destructure of structures. Oh, wow. And so it turns out to be very, uh, very good. You can, people who, civil engineers who know how strong buildings are, can look at damage done by hurricanes and infer the wind speed with great accuracy. Not that that's what you want to do all day, but that's what some people do. <laughs> Is it the same group that names the hurricanes? That no, decides well, no, what level that's a good at? question. That's a good question. The answer is sort of, I think. They all know each other. They all hang out together. But the official people are the, used to be the Weather Service. Now it's National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration. But there's international agreements on that also, you know, because hurricanes, we call them hurricanes in the northern hemisphere and cyclones in the southern hemisphere. So was this, was the idea for the show yours? I mean, was this something that you had been cooking up? Well, it was, I'd say it was Brandon Braga and me. Mm. Now, if you want to say it was all Brandon, I'll go along with that. But we, uh, we met in his backyard for a couple months during, you know, when COVID was serious biz, I mean, it's still serious, but when people really worried about dying, we'd meet in his open backyard in Los Angeles with bulletin boards and stuff. And I claim there are a couple moments of insight. Listen, the show is so entertaining. It's funny. It's very visually, it's incredible what you guys did on a limited budget with the visuals. Yes, are, yes. They're insane. We're freaking geniuses. Yes. No, it, thank it really you. is. I'm glad you it like really it. is. It's like just a series of 
fantastic mini disaster movies. But other than the fact that we live in perilous times and people want to watch disasters, what do you hope that people will take from the show? What what is your what is your goal in you know digging into the science of catastrophe? The goal is to dare I say it, change the world. <laughs> wow. Yeah. How would no, the, how so would it change the world? We get people thinking about what you could do to mm. make disasters less disastrous. The journey you could embark on to making us all more prepared for disasters. And mm. writ large, this takes trusting the science. So for those who don't know, Bill uh, got his start in Seattle on a local comedy show, uh, which was a talk show, comedy show, variety show. Like an improv kind of a, it was a, like a little bit it of It had improv, all right? aspects. They, it had yeah. a desk, like it was a talk show. There were guests on the talk show. Mm -hmm. There were science experiments in the lab. People would bring in animals, just like on The Tonight Show. And then it would go remote for pre-recorded comedy sketches that you'd shoot through the week. Uh, Joel McHale was a part of it, apparently. At some yeah, early later point. on. Yeah, yeah, later yeah. on, he's so much younger than I am. It was the pride of Seattle, and as a as a dorky Seattleite, born and raised in the U District, went to Shorecrest High School, University of Washington Huskies. High School on the shoreline. <laughs> he bum, knows bum, the bum, bum, bum. I'm jamming. But everybody, uh, almost live. This comedy show was on the NBC affiliate. K-I-N-G TV. Seattle is in King County. And uh, it was on at 11.30 on Saturday nights, displacing on the NBC affiliate Saturday Night Live That's a right. half hour. Saturday mm. Night Live in Seattle during our heyday would yeah. start at midnight. That's right. I remember. And the ratings for Almost Live were generally a little better than Saturday Night Live. Now, to be sure, this was during Saturday Night Live's not the best years. <laughs> right. Uh, but, never, but we claim we were pretty good. We were pretty good. It was it was amazing. And and I, I understand in doing a little bit of research that you kind of started doing your particular brand of comedy science presentation based on a kick-ass killer Steve Martin impression. Can you give us a taste? Well, okay. Everybody, let us just, let's review. <laughs> <laughs> the year 1978. Steve Martin's first two albums were hugely influential. I claim that Steve Martin's first two albums were so influential that every city in the U.S. and English-speaking Canada had one or two comedy clubs, like in a weekend. Like <laughs> from nineteen by by nineteen eighty, even the thirteenth television market, Seattle, had two comedy clubs. And so what happened was. In 1978, Steve Martin was so successful that they, Warner Brothers Records sponsored a Steve Martin lookalike contest. And the word lookalike would include performing in Steve Martin stage performer as a comedian fashion. And so sure. my, my claim, I don't know if you're of a certain age where you remember the nightclub called Montana's in Seattle. It's, you I, can't I go there remember. now. Because it burned down, no fault of mine. But uh, the comedy competition for Seattle was held there, and I won. I mean, I claim it was a Venn diagram of the circles. I'm, it was Bill Nye, not Bill Nye. That's my claim. <laughs> All right. So after that, they had 
the next round in San Francisco, and I did not win. That was Mike Berman, who went on to host a show, Mike and Maddie. He was a, he was a minor television celebrity for a while. Wow. He was very good. So You're anyway, a major but, television celebrity. So. Sure, sure. Screw that him. And, that and 450. No, he's an acquaintance of mine. That's, that's out of the question. But uh, if you have $4.50 and you're a minor celebrity, you can go to Starbucks. Wow. And, and get, get a coffee? Latte. Yeah. Well, now they're shutting them all down. So Wait, I don't wait know a minute. Wait a minute. Rain, how much do you pay for a coffee at yeah, but Starbucks? It, Is it different than the rest coffee, of us? Man, I'm talking about you know, high I just, end. I go into a Starbucks and I open my mouth. And then they, the, the baristas lovingly pour lattes yeah, down that's, my throat. That's always what really? I always assume mm-hmm. that that's what happens. So yeah, you're the guy. I, I, you yeah, know, it was yeah. always with all the Vaseline <laughs> on the lens, I wasn't sure it was you. Rain, I got here in my hand my newest delivery from Trade Coffee. It's called Common Ooh. Voice. Uh, it's got notes of dark cherry and chocolate and brown sugar. It's from Central America, a nice little medium roast. And I haven't tried it yet, but I know I'm going to love it. And do you know why? Because Trade Coffee went through the trouble of asking me these very interesting questions about what kind of coffee I like, what kind of taste yep. I gravitate towards, how do I like to make my coffee? Do I like it, you know, and do I want to grind it myself? Do I have a coffee machine? Do I do drip? Right. What do I And then they built this like coffee profile, so every month mm. I get a new bag of coffee, you know, usually a roaster I've never heard of before. I try it and Every month, I'm telling you, they hit a home run. So, folks, Trade Coffee connects customers to the freshest and best-tasting coffee they've ever made at home by partnering with the country's best craft roasters. These are independent businesses from big cities and small towns. Trade customers are truly impactful for these independent roasters because they're often the largest source of new growth for them. Trade's coffee team actually taste tests thousands of coffees to keep 450 different kinds live and ready to ship every day. There's no one perfect coffee, but there is a perfect coffee for you, and Trade's human-powered algorithm will find it. Trade is offering new subscribers a total of $30 off your first order, plus free shipping when you go to drinktrade.com slash milkshake. That's more than 40 cups of coffee. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Coffee for free. Get started by taking their quiz at drinktrade.com slash milkshake. Let trade find you a coffee you'll love. That's drinktrade.com slash milkshake for $30 off. 
after that, people wanted me to do Steve Martin impressions at events. But it doesn't take long for you to realize that you're not Steve Martin, in my case, that I was not Steve Martin. And uh, you want to do your own stuff. And so one thing led to another. But I, I met Steve Martin, and he was very gracious to me. He was very nice. He didn't need to be. He was very nice. Oh, so, that's great. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, you know, he, as I said, do you know the story? He said sort of. <laughs> we got through it. It was cool. So just getting back to the show for a second here, um, we talked about, you know, the show takes us through different ways in which uh, the world could end. And each one, I, I like that each one each episode not ends. almost live listeners this is the new show the end is not. yes not almost, Over to you, live. almost yeah. live was a comedy show in which every episode was about the world coming to an end no uh no the He's end being is not. uh well i also like the fact that you know e- each one of these episodes ends with some kind of you know a note of of hope a note of positivity the second half hour is all about the optimistic view of the future through science science exactly but I'm curious, you know, doing this, the, this show, these, uh, was it six episodes? Yeah, six. Well, I, I do you know why which... there's six? Why? I don't know either. Yeah, six is just one of those numbers. So it's a, it's a product of two prime numbers, which maybe that's probably why. <laughs> that's probably why. Oh, yeah, that's what, uh, probably what they were yeah. thinking. Yeah. I'm just curious, which episode scared you the most? Uh, and don't say climate change. Let's 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 put climate change aside. But like, well, which of the episodes? All, we're going to get into that. Yeah. Well, me. they're all scary. Um, if the world runs out of food because the heartland of North America is buried, that would be a drag. <laughs> if the world runs out of food because the heartland runs out of water, that would be a drag. If there are two back-to-back or 12-hour apart solar flares that turns off all the electricity in the world in a day, that would also be bad. Uh, So all of them, basically. (laughs) Yeah, all of them. So all these different scenarios that you've got going, um, and we're going to get to climate in a little bit, but which is which is the most realistic? Like, which which is the most? I mean, climate, the effects of climate change is non-negotiable. It's a non-starter. It's already happening. It's going to increase. They're going to get worse. Putting that aside, which of the other disaster scenarios is really the most realistic? What what do we what should we actually get prepared for? A comet impact, okay, um, is very reasonable. Very mm-hmm. low probability, very high consequence. In very large solar flares, so-called coronal mass ejections, very likely. I mean, any minute. So there was a thing. No preparation for that one. Yes, there is prep. Oh, there is? Don't make me come over there. Heck yes. <laughs> Science! What's the so, prep? Uh, so I don't want to give it away. Well, oh, first, just, first tell us what, what, what happens with the solar flare. So this is where the sun which is an ordinary star. I mean, it's, I won't say it's unremarkable. It's our sun, but there's nothing especially special about it. In 1859, there were two, there was the Carrington event where these solar flares, these coronal mass ejections caused uh, fires in telegraph offices and destroyed telegraph systems back when there were very few wires strung above the ground. The, the earth, the earth's magnetic field becomes this antenna for this uh, energy, these particles and magnetic zap coming from the sun. 
And if you had a big one or two of those, you would turn off all the electricity in the world. So what you want to do is get the electrical grid robust enough that it can handle this. You want to plan mm. for it. And the example of not planning for stuff that happens is the Texas electrical grid. Uh -huh. When it, the whole place went down just because it got pretty cold. It didn't get yeah. extraordinarily cold. Just a little cold. It, well, yeah. it got Texas cold. You know, I'm, I used to work in West Texas. As a young engineer, I worked for a Seattle company that had an oil field product that was derivative of oil slick skimming boats. And it gets very cold in Texas in the winter. Nothing between you and the North Pole but a barbed wire fence. And even that's blown down. Okay. And so uh, it got a little bit cold in Texas pretty quickly, and it ruined everything. I mean, to the point where a U.S. senator left town, it got so cold. So, no, it did. And so you don't want that to happen on a national or international or global scale. And so to prevent that, we have to acknowledge that it's possible. That's the first half of the show. And then the second half is all the cool little things we do to prevent it from being catastrophic. That's a good one. You know, you at the start of this interview, you mentioned how, you know, disaster movies are all the rage whenever things are going poorly. Yeah, that's so. not my idea. That's just some human nature yeah, thing. It's yeah, it's totally and, – and, you know, but it is your idea to take advantage of that with a <laughs> – <laughs> with a yeah, yeah. more scientific unscripted series about disasters. But here's the here's the thing is that the trouble with these a lot of these disaster scenarios is that they are often sudden, you know, but that's not really what we're facing right now. I mean, minus, you know, the comet and the solar flare, which could just happen. It feels like more likely we're in this kind of uh Sort of in a frog and boiling water situation. Oh, man. <laughs> you know? That's the problem, yeah. yeah. When people talk about climate change is the slow motion nature of it. Well, even with even with pandemic. That is. You know, yeah. Rain and I were talking about this earlier, that like if you had told us in 2020 that a pandemic was coming and a million Americans were going to die, we would have lost our shit Like if you had said that. And a million mm -hmm. Americans died and we're kind of like, well, you know. I, do I have to wear a mask on a plane, though, really? so Well, if you're talking about it scientifically, they wouldn't let us do a pandemic episode. Oh, yeah, I bet. And the other too episodes, real. they wouldn't let us. Let's say, do some other ones first. <laughs> yeah. Let's do that. The other one first they wouldn't, um, they discouraged us from pursuing was totalitarianism. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah, again, too close within. to home. Too yeah, close to right home. Right now, those are both pretty close to home. Yeah. So Season two. I That's guess my right. question well, that is that would be great. I guess my question is, Bill, will we even know <laughs> that the end is nigh as it's happening, or will we just be going to Starbucks and Well, if it's a comet impact, we'll know if you know, but um the thing about a comet in that one example is it's twenty years out. You know, if you can find the thing thirty years before it's gonna hit the earth, then you can do something about it. When you don't figure it out for if it's only got a year, if you only have a year of warning, I mean, then it gets a lot more complicated. But yeah. people have ideas for it. Turn it up. Turn watch the show. Turn it up loud. <laughs> well, the the frog in the boiling water analogy is used so often. I remember hearing that when I was five years old about humanity being a frog in boiling water, and it really just scaring the the piss out of me. My point is this. 
Going back to climate change. So this is your first episode, although you don't mention climate change. It's the most analogous to the frog in boiling water uh, situation. And climate change is something that I'm passionate about. I'm on the board of a nonprofit that deals with climate change. I have participated in many events. I try and use my social media to educate people about it. And it's it's so tricky, Bill. I know you you know this backwards and forwards, inside and out, far better than I do. You know the science of it. You know the politics of it. But it seems to me that in order to, quote unquote, combat climate change now and to um, to kind of set our carbon output at such a level where um, the results will not be cataclysmic is going to be super hard and super expensive. It's going to take shutting down coal plants, finding alternative energies, renew reusable energies, renewable energies. It's going to be taxing beef and taxing soy, mm. stopping the the bulldozing of 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 forests. It's going to be, you know, it's going to take regulation of air conditioning oh, you can't, and regulation oh, you can't of be serious. <laughs> regulation. Oh, I know. Government mm -hmm. regulation Rules. of construction projects and how concrete is made. Um it goes it goes on and on and on. And people talk about the costs of this. Oh, we can't do it. It will hurt the economy so bad we can't do it. And yet you fools, don't you see that in 50 or 100 years, the economy will be brought staggeringly to its knees if we don't undertake these extremely draconian and painful measures now. But we're talking about decades, we're talking about 100 years, and it's so hard for people to wrap their silly little minds about it. I know you have thought about this in great detail. If this were a game show, could you express this sentiment in the form of a question? <laughs> Are we screwed? <laughs> uh, so, the, you guys, it's a question of degree, and that, I guess, is a pun. It's degrees of temperature, but it's also how many of the eight going on nine billion people are going to be in trouble and how many are going to get through uh, with relative comf relatively comfortable lifestyle. And that depends, as you point out, on all the decisions we make right now. So I hearken continually to my beloved parents, both of whom were veterans of World War II. My wow. dad was a prisoner of war captured from this tiny island in the Pacific Ocean called Wake Island. He spent four years as a prisoner of war. Wow. After fighting back against the Japanese Navy for a while. And then my mom was the one of the code girls. She was recruited to work on the oh. the Enigma code. And then later in the war, apparently, she worked on the Japanese codes, JN codes. And my point is simply that everybody at that time, everybody in the Allied societies, U.S., Britain, France, everybody was intent on winning the war. Everybody. And in five years, they did. So if, it, if we can get a substantial fraction of the world's population intent on addressing climate change, we will. And so uh, that is uh, our mission with this show, with the first episode of the show, is let's take steps to prevent this. Come on, people. Let's get her done. And I, you know, and I and I absolutely appreciate that. And you know, it's not like I disagree. You know that we need to take steps uh, to address it. Um, 
I was reading this uh, quote here by MIT professor Kieran Setia, who says that there is a genuine possibility that within the coming century, we will hit temperatures that are deeply incompatible with the continued existence of human life. Yeah, so he means everybody, a lot of people are going to die. Yes, a lot of people are going to die. But here's the thing, Bill, is that I have a hard time actually believing that we are going to do anything about it. I mean, I've heard you suggest that, you know, while certainly we can do things in our own personal lives individually and as a community. I got to disabuse you of that. This idea that if we all just do this, if we all carpool, if we all recycle our bottles, if we all recycle and everything will be okay. Well, okay. Well, there you go. That's even worse than I was going to say. No, I was no, going to give a much bleaker big picture. Ideas, man. We need huge ideas. But and yeah, this is what this is what Reza's saying. I see. That's go ahead. Point. Finish, Reza. Well, but here's you're... the thing. Let's be optimistic. We need uh, better electricity production. This would be distributed electricity production with, in the two examples, solar and wind. We need uh, base load production, which is probably I won't be shocked, some form of nuclear power that gets figured out on a very small scale compared to what has been done in the past. Then we need energy storage, batteries. Then we need better transmission lines. Somebody's going to make money during all this. Contractors will be hired to erect wind turbines and build transmission lines. Somebody's going to invent a better battery, and he or she is going to get rich. And so. Uh, we can do this, everybody. The hand wringing, it's all over, is crazy making. And I hearken again to what the United States especially has done to win World War II, to put people on the moon, to invent the internet, to feed. Now we're feeding almost 9 billion people on less land, or 8 billion people on less land than we fed 1.5 billion people in my Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware. My grandparents' time. So the hand-wringing, I understand it. The longest journey, maybe the first thing about digging a hole is to stop digging. But let's, we can do this, people. Come on. That's why we're making the show. Because we can do this. I hear everything that you're saying, and I don't necessarily even disagree with it. And I really appreciate the the optimism that you that you bring to it. It's hard. If you're to, not optimistic, you're not going to get anything done. I, I, I hear if that. You think you're going to lose the game? You will freaking lose the game. Right, but but we are. What we are relying on is that 
there's some 16-year-old kid out there who's about to invent some incredible carbon capturing technology and that may very well may happen that's how that's how human progress has has worked you know there might be somebody out there who's going to figure out some way to um you know deal with uh the 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 problems that that arise with with food production uh etc cetera, etc cetera. what i think is very hard and I wouldn't even call this skeptical or pessimistic. I would call it uh, profoundly realistic. It's very hard to actually say that the people who are responsible, politicians, business leaders, for forcing upon American the American public the changes necessary to actually reverse uh, the damage that we're doing to the climate, it's almost impossible to imagine that actually happening. Yes, is it possible to imagine that a new technology, a new invention will will arise that will change everything? Absolutely. Is it possible to actually think that our politicians, our leaders are going to do what is necessary to actually get us out of this emergency? Hells no! Hells no, Bill! So I say all the time when people ask me, what can I do about climate change, a person? I say, vote. If you're too young to vote, make sure the grown-ups in your life vote. And when they vote, take the environment into account. So I, I hearken to this idea. You know, the United States is, this became this model democracy for the world where they had this idea, we're going to have a government without a king. Really? No king. We're going to have a queen. No queen. No. What about dukes and earls? No, none of them. Wow. How's that going to work? Anyway, that's a cool idea. It, the place has almost gone out of business a few times. You know, the War of 1812, that was, that was a skirmish maybe. Civil War, the U.S. almost went out of business. Uh, World War II, the U.S. could have gone out of business. And right now, the U.S could go out of business. But I think, I believe, we will not go out of business thanks to the diligence of the systems that are, rather the people that are operating the levers of the systems that are in place. So uh, everybody, please vote with the environment in mind. Please vote with the peaceful trans transition of power in mind so that we can solve these problems and change the world, which all begins, of course, with watching the end is nigh. Yeah, that's, that's where it all begins. It begins with that's a television show and, and a podcast and a correlating uh, <laughs> podcast. August 25th. Very good. Well said. The, you know, I was in doing some research about you and our researchers doing some research about you. We see that in, in 2016, you dismissed philosophy as useless and misguided. When someone challenged you on it, you said that you had reevaluated your position and you started incorporating this into your work. And you're, you've, you've, and I love this. I love this. I don't know if the story is correct, but I wanted to ask you about it. And you said, uh, now I'm all about the philosophy. Bring it on. In your master class, you talked about science as a philosophy. So here we're posed with humanity's greatest existential question of all time, which is climate change and the science, the requisite science to combat said climate change. And there is an underlying philosophy of all underneath all of that, which is, in my mind, is kind of like a Star Trek philosophy, which is, you know, um, the greatest good for the greatest people brought upon 
brought there by science. Um, but in what ways do you see science motivating new philosophical questions and the philosophy of science tied to this existential threat of climate change? So uh, let's just add this, that in, when the U.S. Constitution was written and the Bill of Rights and so on, the term scientist was not in the vocabulary, mm. was not in English. The word science was extant. In fact, if you go to Article 1, Section 8, Clause 8 of the U.S. Constitution, it refers to one of the jobs of Congress is to promote the progress of science and useful arts. But people who were scientists at that time were called natural philosophers. And so if you say, if one says summarizing philosophy as a system or means to seek truth or that which is true, mm. then natural philosophers are trying to learn the truth of nature or the, what, the facts of nature. And that, to me, is inspirational and cool. And, uh, mm. and along that line, built in to philosophy is when you get more evidence, you change your mind or you modify your point of view or mm -hmm. how you feel about the world or what you accept to be true. And so uh, uh, I'm all about philosophy now. I think it's the greatest thing. And I must have been saying it as I look back, being dismissive of certain pursuits that at that time didn't seem to be practical. But apparently, the most employable, the most employable liberal arts degree is in philosophy. Apparently, philosophy majors are very flexible. You give them a job, they find the job to do, they'll figure out how to solve problems and do it. That's kind of cool. Well, I love what you said about a natural philosopher and like a science, a scientist being a natural philosopher. Well, that was, well that was the term of art. If you talk to Benjamin yeah. Franklin or somebody, he would consider himself a natural philosopher. Yeah, and, uh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought about that. But. Well, it's seeking truth, you know, trying, trying to think your way to truth. And the, a problem we have right now is that ideas that are not fact-based are provably false, are mm. finding purchase or getting support in our society. And this is, you know, what everybody calls misinformation. And uh, it's, you know, when the internet was invented or, or it came to be uh, organically through everybody running around with computers communicating with each other, Everybody thought this will be great. We'll democratize information. <laughs> I remember those days. Everyone will be able to share ideas, and the best ideas will rise to the top, and it's all going to be great. <laughs> but that's not what happened. But I think the, through the process of science, this, this system will correct itself. We will correct the system. You know, the, the whole idea, everybody, the whole idea in science, or let's say natural philosophy, seeking the truth about nature, the premise of the bit, that's a comedy term, the premise of the bit is that the universe or the cosmos or reality or nature is knowable. That you can, that's the idea, that you can figure it out. And so far, general science writ large, scientists writ large, have not come up against something that is unknowable. Mm -hmm. They've come up against more mysteries. But nobody has reached the ending. Oh, you can't know it. No, let it go. Even I'm even talking about, I don't want to get in a fist fight about 
probabilistic nature of quantum mechanics. Even that, I was just about is figure, to is figure outable <laughs> to the point where we can have these computers with field effect transistors and relying on quantum tunneling and all. We can get pretty close, and the premise is that we can we can know it. That what we don't know doesn't mean we're going to stop. What we don't know means we want to reach farther and deeper and learn more about nature. That's the truth-seeking in nature. That's natural philosophy. That is science. <laughs> so, uh, Bill, putting aside your uh, infectious optimism and your faith in the ability of science to, to solve uh, problems, if you were a betting man, Okay, if, this, if we were in Las Vegas and you were a betting man, how does the world end? How does the human world end? Yep. I think humans, you know, it's been argued, in fact, the guy at the University of Washington argues that the humans are extinction-proof. So, oh, really? What, yeah, because there's so many of us and we're such huge brains compared to our body and we're always coming up with crap that somebody's going to make it through. The question is how, a question that I ask myself continually is how many of us are going to make it through with a pretty nice quality of life? Mm. And uh, I think in about 70 years, in other words, people talk about 50 years, but you talk about between now and a century from now, things, the human population will have naturally started to decrease and the human influence, the inadvertent human influence on the environment will be less. And in that meantime, people will be taking steps as stewards of Earth to make life a little better for a lot of people. But I think the worst is yet ahead, and the best is yet ahead after that. I love that, Bill. Um, that is, I love I love that optimism that you bring to this and that, that counters Reza's natural pessimism. <laughs> Here's yeah. another thing that um, Barry Obama, he was a government employee for a while. I remember. Uh, yeah, President Obama, that was, a, that was his, yeah. He said famously, if you couldn't pick where you would be born on earth, but you could pick when, some magical science fiction thing, You'd pick now. As messed up as things seem to be, things are actually messed up, less mm. messed up for fewer of us than ever in human history. You know, human life expectancy used to be less than 40 years, for, fewer than 40 years. Well, now, you know, people live to be 80. And you can say, well, life expectancy is going down in the United States, the world's most technically advanced. And, okay, be that as it may. If you couldn't pick where, but you can pick when, this would be the time. Things suck less for fewer people than ever in history, by fraction. So we can do this, people. Let's get her done. Let's go. <laughs> the, the world sucks less with you in it, Bill Nye, the science <laughs> well, guy, I, and I with your new TV true. show, and the way that you uh, make science accessible for hundreds of millions over the years and got your start as a Steve Martin impersonator on, in Seattle at, at yeah, Montana. I'm a mechanical engineer. You know, I worked on 747. Yeah, but the well, Steve Martin stuff is the, is the Yeah, stuff. yeah, okay. All that science stuff is great. But the comedy, the comedy oh, was so good. The Speedwalker <laughs> character that you played, I remember. Um, thanks for being on the show. 
Speedwalker could only talk to three people. He would talk to citizen, officer, and punk. <laughs> so anyway you guys thanks for having me on it's been big fun let's change the world all right August let's 25th, do it the end is nigh turn it up loud <laughs> will do thanks bill well okay uh that was interesting and instructive and funny and humorous and and uh yes, somewhat uh somewhat uh encouraging i guess did it make me feel any better oh. You horrible little pessimist. Yes, it made me feel better. You know what? You know how this was in- inspiring to me? Tell me. Is, well, I don't know if you know this, but Bill Nye has been at the leading edge of the debate on climate from the get-go. He's the one who's been on like Fox News, Laura Ingram. Oh, yeah. Like he's been on the battle lines uh, with the anti-science crowd. And they're like, well, you're not a PhD. Oh, yeah. And you're not a climatologist. And, you know, but they are. Um, <laughs> and, but here's the thing. Like, no one should be more pessimistic than Bill Nye because he has been fighting this so hard. And the Supreme Court recently ruled that the EPA does not have jurisdiction over clean air in our country. Um, it's absolutely astonishing. And if he... This guy fighting the fight in the trenches can just be filled with that kind of can-do optimism. And I love going back to the idea of the Marshall Plan, World War II, getting to the moon, you know, giant planet-sized missions. Um, I thought it was really inspiring because I get really pessimistic too. And the problem with pessimism is it makes you complacent. It's just easy to go, oh, it's fucked. It's all a bunch of bullshit, blah, blah, blah. And um, and not do anything. And that's the problem with so many uh, young people today. So I just it really inspired me to like, you know what? I need to put my pessimism aside and I got to try. I'm going to try. I'll go to my deathbed saying, you know, it'll be on my tombstone. Well, he tried. (laughs) I mean, look, I I agree with all of that. And uh, I, I guess. You're right. You're right. Actually, you're right. I do feel better. Okay. I will say I feel, I feel. Okay, good. I feel like three. We brought de- you around. I feel okay. three degrees better. I feel three degrees better. Uh, but I, but I do think that what makes me feel better is I do, I do share his faith in science and science's ability to, you know, heed the call and to, and to save us from disaster. And that's why I was saying, like, I th- I am much I, I believe that it's much more likely that it will be some kind of technological or scientific advance that we have yet to really think about. Um, and I think maybe carbon capture is a big part of that. Like, you know, carbon capture is just something we're sort of doing now and it's not, you know, it's, but like. Maybe there's a technology out there a decade away that will allow us to capture all the carbon and really, really reverse the problems of climate change. But I have to be honest with you, and maybe it's just the last couple of years in America, when someone tells me that the answer is to vote, I lose my fucking mind. Do you honestly believe that we are ever going to see 60 Democrats in Senate again? And without 60 Democrats, who gives a fuck? Like, we could vote all we want to and nothing's going to happen. America is not built anymore for 60 Democrats. And so this idea that, like, eventually the politicians will come around, I find to be the 
profoundly naive, in fact, almost like demonically naive. That said, well, the proof is the proof is in the pudding right now because we're in the one of the largest democratic right. majorities we've had in decades. And look shit. at what is happening right now. Yep. Biden has just just approved another oil drilling in an oil line in Alaska. You know, which besides what that does to the wilderness, the whole idea that we're even putting any money, time, or attention mm -hmm. on excavating more oil is ridiculous. Yep. And meanwhile, one asshole from West Virginia, who is by far by matters of degree, the biggest recipient in both houses of Congress of money from the coal and gas industry uh, is keeping us from passing the most basic, basic climate change, uh, you know, legislation. So I just I you know, here's here's what I worry about. I worry that this kind of naive optimism uh, is going to keep us from doing what maybe we should be doing, which is planning for the end, <laughs> like really sitting around and being like, hey, there is no way we are going to stop the planet from heating up three degrees before the end of the century. So what do we do? How do we get re ready for that? Instead of continuing to say, no, no, we can do it. All we got to do is vote. And yeah, but that's not going to happen either because planning for the end means alternative food sources. It means water desalination plants. It means you know, alternate technologies, which are not profitable business lines, by the way. And so no one is going to be sinking the hundreds of billions of dollars into that um, anyway. Yeah. So either way we're screwed. I mean, this maybe this is a question for our for our milkshakers. What do you guys think? Are we fucked? Are we doomed, everyone? Uh, do you feel optimistic? Do you think science has a path for us to get out of this mess? Do you think the politicians, possibly, if we just vote for the right people? You know, uh, Bill used the, the example of World War II, uh, but that was something that everyone saw and couldn't deny, right? It was like, I'd, I'd much prefer a, a, a comet heading towards us, right? Because at least then we could all, well, now I'm thinking about Don't Look Up. And so, yeah, you're mind. thinking about the movie Don't <laughs> yeah, Look never Up. Never mind. What do you what do you guys think? Let us know. Are you optimistic, pessimistic? Follow us at Metaphysical Milkshake on Instagram. You can hit us up on our socials. You can write us at metaphysical at castmedia.com. Please uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tell your friends about our show. And we would love to incorporate all of your questions and comments and personalities and love into a metaphysical milkshake concoction. Yummy. And don't forget to watch Bill Nye's uh, new series on Peacock. It is called The End is Nigh, and it is truly an entertaining show, regardless of whether it scares the shit out of you or not. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. Metaphysical Milkshake is executive produced by Rain Wilson, Reza Aslan, and Colin Thompson. It is produced by Safa Samazadeh Yazd, Paris Lane, Mick DeMaria, Hashem Self, and DJ Lubel. Cast Media is the production and distribution partner. Original music by Jeff Tang. By the way, I love the fact that they all hang out together, like all these 
hurricane well, naming experts just like chilling. You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. They're all on the same list, sir, you know. <laughs> Happy hour. Hey, thanks for watching, you guys. For more fantastic videos just like the one that you watch, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Thank you. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.